Welcome to Books on Air, the podcast you really don't want to miss. I'm Suzanne Harris, and you're about to get a sneak peek at what goes on behind the scenes with a particular author. You're going to find out their secret recipe for creating their book. Who knows, you might even get an inside scoop on a new project. And if you want to know more about them, we'll tell you where you can find them on social media. Joining me today is M. M. Ruiz, and she's here to talk about her novel, Bullseye, a story. A 10th generation Santa Barbaran of Spanish descent, M. M. Ruiz worked in Hollywood as a model, a dancer, and an actor. After 12 years in Hollywood, she returned to Santa Barbara, and she wrote a stage play called The Whirlpool, as well as two screenplays called Justice Lies and The Monkey Puzzle Tree. Bullseye is her debut novel. Mia, welcome to Books on Air. You're amazing. It's such a pleasure to have you. Thanks so much for having me. I appreciate it. You know, when I was reading through your bio, I mean, you you worked in Hollywood. You were an actor. You, you've done this. You were a model. You were a dancer. You've written screenplays. You've written a stage play. When did all of this writing start for you? How old were you when you first decided that you wanted to start writing? You know, ironically, it was when I moved back to Santa Barbara, and I must correct you on one thing. I was not a professional dancer. As much as I would like to have been, (laughs) I did go to a dance academy, but I never perfected the art. Um, When I moved back to Santa Barbara, and I was in a theater company when I first moved back, and the commute, it just became so difficult. And so I, I still needed a creative outlet. I was still, my heart was still, you know, store, it was still in the business. I still wanted to be part of the entertainment business because I'd lived there for so long and I, I loved it. But when I came to town and I married and to settle down, I actually started reading a book called The Artist's Way. And that book uh, was written by Julie Carmen. It's called The Artist's Way. And it had certain writing exercises in it, and I got to chapter four, and that was it, a a play. All of a sudden, I'm hearing a play, and I just wrote a play. I wrote The Whirlpool, and I just, I hit right by hand. So I just wrote, I didn't know, I never wrote before, but all of a sudden, through these exercises, and a lot of them were writing and just crumpling it up and throwing it away, just to get used to the flow and so I wrote that first play and thought, wow, I never wrote before, but I guess I'm writing now. And after that first play, The Whirlpool, I wrote um, Just a Slice. And it just comes to me. I mean, I'm not one that plots out storylines. Um, for me, I just kind of relax slow enough to where the stories come to me. And then it's my job to define them from the character's point of view. So I create uh, atmosphere, and I create the characters, and then I just shut up and listen. I kind of know where they're going to go, but not definitively, And but I let them just relate to each other in character, and it's like I'm dictating what I hear in the conversations. 
because I'm good at dialogue and I, I like, I love writing dialogue. That's why I love writing plays because you're on a stage and it's about communication and dialogue and you're, you know, you're going to head one direction in the dialogue and you're letting your characters take you there through their voices. So for me, I started um, with the whirlpool and then I wrote just a slice and then I wrote the monkey puzzle tree and um, I wrote that. I was finished that. I was eight months pregnant. So I got that um, to the Writers Guild and I got that registered. And then I did not write again for like five years. When my daughter started school, all of a sudden I was shaking out the dog's bed. And this story, Bullseye, a story just kind of, it just presented itself. And I went, where did that come from? I have no I've never been to a bullfight or Spain, and um, I just I just heard the story and I outlined it and thought I'm supposed to write again, and I outlined the um, high points of it. I knew where it was going, but I didn't know how the story was getting there. So I just outlined it, and then I would write 20 pages at a time, and I wouldn't preconceive what was happening. I just kind of let it go and then I would type out that 20 pages and then I would I write in the middle of the night also I write at night when I can't sleep because if I can sleep I'm going back to sleep but if I can't sleep I'm going to see where I last wrote and see if there's if I'm going somewhere and usually if I can't sleep I can it will take me to the next 20 pages and I'll just write out I'll go to where it ended before and I'll just kind of let it flow and I'll write out what happens next and it's all chronological i never plot the end or know what's going to happen or or bounce around i always go from the beginning that 20 each 20 pages at a time and then i'm like with bullseye i had no idea how it was ending and it was a surprise to me i didn't know what it was supposed to mean or what was supposed to happen but it feels all that it was supposed to you know, you are a lot of information. You are describing the most wonderful creative process. Your brain is astonishing. I really enjoy hearing how authors write. And you just shared a fabulous creative process with our listeners. And one thing that is always very interesting for me is that the fiction writer always has this wonderful, rich um, brain that's just, I mean, it's like popcorn. It's just always talking and finding ideas and, and there are always characters in there. And it's so exciting to hear you describe it the way that you describe it. And I love it that you write by hand. You are the first person that I've talked to in a very long time who does that. Let's tell our listeners. Oh, I cannot, Go ahead. I can't think. I can't create on the computer. It's just a tool I'm using to um, solidify it and copy and paste it and keep it there. But I, I love the blank page. I love like a hundred blank pages in the pen. And literally, I cannot in my mind, if something, I start thinking of something, I have to stop it because unless I have the paper and the pen there, if I don't document it or write it down, I'll lose it. Mm-hmm. So all through the whatever I'm writing, in Bullseye especially, I could never think about it if I wasn't 
in front of the page because I would lose really great things that were happening if I let my my mind go there, if I couldn't immediately write it down. And I find that with all my writing, I won't go there in my mind unless I'm ready to go there with the pen. Because as soon as these thoughts come through, certain little nuances of characters or dialogue, it'll leave. And I can't pull it back because I've not really... I don't feel like I'm making these up or trying to make a story. I feel like I'm, they come into my mind and then they'll, I can't recall it. I can't make it come back. It comes in and I document it and then it's there and I can trigger on the subject and, and see where it flows from there. But if I think of something great, if I don't write it down, it'll go away and I'll think back and go, God, I know I had a great thought there and I, didn't write it down, but I know I wanted to. So I've trained myself to not, unless I can have a pen in my hand and can write, um, not to go um, to the place of where my stories are. Well, let's tell... So I have pieces of paper written all over with little things on it that will trigger a memory of something, because if, if something comes into my mind, I'll want to jot it down immediately. Let's tell the listeners an overview of the story of Bullseye, the story. Now, Bullseye came to me. It came to me. It's just a funny story. I um, was living up at this beach in a tour bus. And as I said, my daughter just started school. And I had dogs. I love dogs. And as much as I love my dogs, I do not want dog hair in my space, my living space. So I shake out their beds every day and dog hairs come off. So I was shaking out this huge towel of the dog hair and it literally just became this huge matador cape as I was shaking it really hard. And it just, this story about bullfighting and about learning about it came through. And as it came to me, I knew I needed a character that was like me, had no idea, no interest, no intent on writing that because I know nothing about it and I didn't at the time either. So I outlined it from a journalist's point of view being a journalist is always hungry for information to research and write about. So my main character, Peter, is a journalist from L.A. And it was that first, it's like a five, six week story. It's just a very, it's very full story. It's a very large book, but time-wise, it's not really that long. It's just very detailed. So his first week is in LA, and because I lived there, that was real easy because all those restaurants and those streets are real locations in LA. So that was that was easy to do. But once he got on that plane to Spain, I had to stop writing for a year and research. And I wrote 500 pages of notes researching what he was going to be introduced to in Spain. So he could, I knew what he was going to have to learn. And then I could create characters of who he meets there and how it would be presented, how he was to learn this information. But I had to know it first because it's real information. It's real stuff. All the flamenco, all the bullfighting, all the raising of Toro. Everything means something from the picadors to the banderillos to, you know, they all have their jobs and they're all very specific 
to what they do. And he falls in the, in, into this by accident. He's going there to research and write about the bull run of Pamplona. But when he arrives, his guide, quote, quote, guide, is a bullfighting aficionado and takes him to see a bullfight. And he is, as you would guess, as I would probably be, completely appalled at it, just like mortified at watching it. He's like, what are they doing? Why are they doing this? And more so, why are people getting dressed up in their finest to go watch it? And why are 25,000 people every Sunday going to Las Ventas Arena to watch this play out when they know what's going to happen every time? (laughs) You know, what keeps bringing them back? You know, they know that somebody's not getting out of there alive, and it's usually the bull. (laughs) But why are they doing this? So he falls into this rabbit hole, and once he the aficionado sees his interest that he wants to write about this, it's just like a fish with a hook. He's just on this crazy wild ride being pulled through the water. And he just gets to experience firsthand through people that have lived it and their families have lived it and learns everything about it. And he's intrigued. And he threw a lot of drunken debauchery, too. I mean, he is on a wild ride. And it's really, um, it's funny and it's serious and it's real and it's uh, historical and it's um, ritual and all of it is true. There isn't anywhere in this book that you can't look up that isn't a real place, isn't, doesn't have this happening. He does end up in Pamplona, and he learns a lot there. It's a, it's a wild ride through a lot of information, but it's, it's funny, and the people are interesting, and it's beautiful. It's beautiful, and I saw it as a visual. Like, I did not sit down to write a screenplay of this as I had with other pieces. I wrote this as a manuscript because when it came through me, I could not figure out how to get my final draft screenwriting program to work on my computer. (laughs) Even though I'd written two screenplays before, I know I'd done it. I'd written a play and two screenplays. But for the life of me, I could not figure out how to do it. And I got the reprogrammed final draft. I had everything I needed. And instead of getting frustrated with the technological stuff that I cannot get, I just thought, I'm supposed to tell this story. And so I just wrote by hand, page after page after page of the story, 20 pages at a time, and then I would type it in. But I was literally typing pages of story. It wasn't grammatical. It wasn't structured to the page. It was just blocks of pages of the words. And I'd do 20 at a time. And then I'd go back and write the next what happened next? And it would be like the next few hours of this guy's experience, Peter's. And I would just do that until I'd written 680 pages until it was done. And I was just supposed to tell the story. And after I told the story, then I got somebody to help me go through and get it to um, get it fitted to the page as books are supposed to be, because I didn't know how to do that. You needed an and editor. then once it was to the page, I had an editor. And once he grammatically put it on the page, at first, you know, he didn't do this. And he's a very educated man. He has a doctorate. And I, I you know, I just advertised for an editor. And he called and he said, I'll, I'll read 17 pages and tell you what I think. He read four pages and called me and said, I don't think so. And I said, <laughs> wait, wait, wait. You said you'd read 17 pages. He goes, yeah, okay. 
So he hung up and he read about five more pages and he called back and he goes, okay, I'll do it. He goes, I get your sense of humor. I get it now. I didn't get it in the first. He goes, I get it now. I get what's happening. He goes, I'll do it. So he worked with me like 30 pages at a time and he would fix them. He would structure them to the page of how a novel is supposed to fit on the page. Right. Because I didn't know. And after he went through the whole thing, I said, okay, now can you go through it again and story edit? Just cut out what you think does not need to be there because there's so much there. And he went through the entire thing again and he goes, you know, Mia, it kind of needs to be there from the suit of lights to the stitching on it to the cave to every everything is there for a reason so he cleaned up maybe less than 10 pages out of like 680 you know he cleaned it up a little but he didn't take out much he goes it's long and it's full but it all pertains to the story and all these details are what he learns and kind of creates where he's going and what it means to these people and so it's a lot because um, even the editor found it all had a place to be in there. It's exhausting and it's very <laughs> detailed, but it, it's it's there for a reason and a purpose. And as tired as you get reading it, it is as tired of the characters are that are living it that you're reading about. It kind of that exhaustion you kind of have to feel to really get the gist of what these five six weeks this character's going through. We need to tell our listeners where they can find the book. Now, I went to Amazon, and if we have any listener who has never been to Amazon, let me just sort of tell you how to get there. It's really, really simple. All you have to do is in the the feature at the top of your page, just type in www.amazon.com and click on it, and you'll go right to that main page for Amazon. And there's a big, long, kind of a long, rectangular, light gray box. In that light gray box, type these words. Type bullseye, B-U-L-L-S-E-Y-E, one word, colon, a story by M period, M period, Ruiz, R-U- I Z. Click on it and it will bring you right to Mia's book. And in the upper right hand corner, if you've never done this on Amazon before, there are two words in the upper right hand corner of the representation of the cover. It'll say, look inside. Well, all you have to do is click on that and the book opens. And I always do air quotes when I'm thinking about that because it doesn't literally open, but electronically it opens. And there's a wonderful excerpt that will reach out, grab you by the collar and pull you into this book. Now you can buy it right there on that page and there's your copy. But if you want to go to Mia's website, let's give them your website address, Mia. It's Mia Marie Tells Tales. That's M-I-A-M-A-R-I-E-T-E-L-L-S-T-A-L-E-S. No spaces. Dot com. Yeah, no spaces. No. Now, when they go... Mia Marie Tells Tales. When they go, they will see a lovely picture of you on the home page. What else will they be able to find there? Um, they can find, I better go there myself. They can find um, 
There's information about the screenplays. I looked at it earlier. There's information about the screenplays. You give a little synopsis of the screenplays. There's more information about Bullseye. Um, there's a little information about you. They can see your picture so that when they're reading the book or listening to this interview, they'll have a face to go with the voice, which I always think is, is really lots of fun and very powerful for people. Because, you know, when they read the book, before they've heard your voice, they're reading the book in their voice. After they've heard you talk and heard you talk about the book and how the the magical way that the book was created as they read it they'll hear your voice and hopefully they'll also hear Peter's voice and Paul's voice and the characters voices that you have in the book because it's really so well written when they finish reading bullseye do you want them to just feel like they've read a really interesting story about a, a guy who's an amnesiac and and has lost his wife and he winds up going to Spain and has this astonishing adventure in Spain? Or is there something else that you want them to take away from the book, Mia? Well, along with, I think, this crazy adventure that Peter goes on and has the courage to go on and investigate, I really think people would take away kind of what he did through his losses he finds himself and through death he understands something more of his life and that it happens all the time it happens so quickly and like those matadors they see it so fast coming and going life going out life coming in and he has his losses that he doesn't feel so lost without them anymore he has a better understanding and that allows him to remember, come out of his amnesia and remember his losses. It's not so buried because it's not as painful. It just gives him a different and new perspective on it. And I think that everybody that reads it will come out with their own. And it'll be a little bit different, shifted. As it says in the book, his whole consciousness about it kind of shifts. And I think as you finish reading it, you'll all feel a shift. Oh, I love it. You are amazing. Your creative mind is just astonishing. It's been such a pleasure to talk with you today, and I want to thank you so much for sharing Bullseye with us, Bullseye's story, and for just talking about the creative process. It's been such a pleasure. Well, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it, and I had a good time, too. Good. Now, remember, listeners, you can find Bullseye a story by M. Period M. Period Ruiz R. U. I. Z. on Amazon. You've been listening to the Books on Air podcast brought to you on WebTalkRadio.net. You can also hear this podcast on iTunes as well as iHeartRadio. I'm Suzanne Harris. And I do hope that you'll join us for our next Books on Air podcast, because remember, you never know who you will be talking to, and you never know what we'll be talking about. Thank you so much for listening.